Good morning, everybody. This is another edition of the Pass Ball Show brought to you by JohnKelly.com as well as St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey. Lots of stuff we're going to get into today, and I do want to start out by apologizing over the last uh, couple days and uh, dealing with a little bit of a cold. I don't know if it's allergies, and if it is, it's my first experience dealing with allergies. You know, I got my runniness in the eyes and the nose and a little bit of a sore throat. So over the last couple of days, I wanted to do a show, just haven't been, uh, you know, felt well enough to do it. I'm glad to be with you on a Friday. Obviously, we're going to do NFL picks today. Picked a couple choice topics that we're going to hit up today. Just a reminder for anybody that's interested, you could be a part of the show. Um, number right here is 732-364-3598. You could also comment on the Facebook Live or Periscope feed. And if you're listening on demand on YouTube or iTunes or Google Play, welcome. Uh, find any way to make your comments. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at John underscore Pielli. Um, you can add me on Facebook, John Pielli. Just search my name anywhere. I mean, if there's any way you want to interact with the show, be part of the show. Just look up my name. Send me anything that's on your mind. Good, bad, uh, preferably things in relation to baseball, sports, and unified America. First thing we're going to talk about today, I'm not going to give you a reaction that a lot of people in New York or the New Jersey area are over the Jets game against the Cleveland Browns. I'm looking at it more from the Browns perspective. And it's hard to do that when you're you're based in a certain area and a certain region. And the natural reaction is to talk about the disappointment and let's say what the Jets did wrong. And you know, the per you know, the perceived embarrassment that exists from losing to a team that had, uh, you know, was essentially two years since the last time they won a game. But I think you get to a certain point and you realize if you're being balanced, if you're, unfortunately, take your biasness as a fan away for a brief second. And I know it's hard to do, especially if you're a New York Jets fan, especially if you're, you know, expecting the season to be special. If you follow the first game where the Jets dominated the Detroit Lions, uh, you looked at the quarterback, Sam Darnold. You figured this guy is going to lead the team to prominent things going ahead. And all of a sudden, you look at the results, and it, all of a sudden you're one and two in a tough spot, a game against Jacksonville. I know it's 10 days away. They got some time to prepare. Maybe Jacksonville takes a step back. You never know in a National Football League, but the Jets – after that win, you figure they'd be ahead and ready for some good things. But I'm not here to talk about that because I think that's stuff that you're going to hear consistently on your regular talk radio or your talk television. The Cleveland Browns have been kind of a budding, what you'd call winning team over the last three weeks. And let's be serious. If it wasn't for the 0-16 season last year and a 1-15 season a year before. And the fact that obviously you put them together and you have a 1-31 record over the course of two seasons. And for some reason, there's a coach that's been coaching his team over that time and still has a job. This is a team that should have beat the Pittsburgh Steelers in week one. This is a team that looked like before the game started, they were going to be completely overmatched against the New Orleans Saints. And end up losing that game late and close. And they're in a spot against the Jets. And I understand they were favored at home. And if I'm the Jets, it probably bothers me a little bit. But in the end, you know, the players, as they're preparing for a game, got nothing to do with what the bookmakers and the odds makers make in regards to the line. Once again, it's not Las Vegas taking a shot at the Jets. It's the betting 
you know, the betters there taking a shot against the Jets. How many people are betting against the Jets or have to bet against the Jets to get the odds into the Cleveland Browns' favor? It started out, was around even. I believe the Jets were favored by a point, I think, coming off of last Sunday. So as people start betting on the game, like, hey, we're betting on the Browns, we're betting on the Browns, we're betting on the Browns. If I'm the Jets or a Jets fan that's pissed off that Cleveland is favored by three points at home, you know who I'm going to take that out on? I'm going to take that out on the betters, the people that are betting on the Cleveland Browns. And there's reasons for people to bet on the Cleveland Browns, not just the result of the game, but a team that looks like it's finally gotten over the hump. I don't think they're going to a Super Bowl this year. I don't think they're getting to the playoffs this year. But I think they've finally shed you know, that negative image of being such the lovable losers. And they needed to get a win to do it. You know, a tie didn't work in week one. A tough-fought game where they lost late to the New Orleans Saints in week two didn't work. At some point, they were going to have to win. And what's the difference? What was the difference last night? It was clearly Baker Mayfield being at the helm and quarterbacking the Cleveland Browns. And if you think about it, if Baker Mayfield was the starting quarterback in week number one against the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Browns probably could have won that game. And remember a couple days ago, I was talking about Le'Veon Bell not being in the mix for the Steelers. And if Bell was in the mix, that the Steelers could have you know, not tied and won the first game. Well, if Baker Mayfield was the starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns, I think the Browns win week one against the Steelers. They may even won easily. And week two, listen, you know, Tyrod Taylor was not very dominant in either one of those two games. So you put Mayfield and certainly have him do some of the things that he did last night. The Browns could be undefeated right now. The Browns could have three wins and zero losses instead of having one win, one loss, and one tie. Sometimes, you know, and, and I, I agree from a, you know, a coaching standpoint, from a front office standpoint, from a developmental standpoint, I don't think there's any set formula or procedure in a way you're supposed to handle a rookie quarterback. You know, you talk about Aaron Rodgers who sat on the bench for quite, um, you know, many years when Brett Favre was still there. You look at many quarterbacks like a Steve Young, how many years he sat behind Joe Montana, Jimmy Garoppolo, how many years he sat behind Tom Brady. And those guys ended up being okay. And I think Garoppolo will be fine. You know, but you look at many quarterbacks that have come in and started right off the bat and have been very successful. So I don't think there's a set formula. I think you have to trust the coach, the coaching staff, the front office, the organization that that particular player and that quarterback belongs to, that they have the right plan for each individual. It looks like Baker Mayfield should have been on the field sooner. And I don't know where the Browns will end up this year. Will they be, you know, six, nine, and one, or six, you know, will they win three games? Will they win maybe eight games? I don't know. I'm not predicting that the Cleveland Browns are going to turn into a juggernaut just because Baker Mayfield is their quarterback. But he certainly looked ready. When he came in in that game, he led that offense, his ability to, to throw the ball with, you know, laser accuracy. Really kind of stood out to me. He had that spiral that I think you can compare with some of the great quarterbacks that just were able to throw the ball and have that, you know, dart-like presence to it. And he looked like he belonged. He looked like he belonged right away as soon as he came out of that field. And I tell you, this is probably the worst thing that could have happened to the Jets. And Tyrod Taylor, you know, ends up getting hurt. He wasn't playing very effectively. It looked like a pretty sloppy game early. 
and the Jets had a 14-0 lead. And I listen, you can talk about all the things that the Jets did wrong to lose this game. I'm saving that for New York Talk Radio, New York Talk TV, and all the callers from New York and New Jersey that are going to be bitching, you know, because they're fans of the New York Jets and they hate the way the team performed yesterday and they hate the fact that they lost to the Cleveland Browns. But, you know, you look at Baker Mayfield, he was the difference. Him being on the field made the Cleveland Browns a much better team. So you look back and you say, why wasn't he starting week one? That's my big issue. Sam Darnold will start in week one for the Jets. You know why? Because they felt like they could get something, a third-round pick for Teddy Bridgewater, which they did. You know, Josh McCown was okay being a backup. And they determined that Sam Darnold was ready. What was it from the Cleveland Browns' perspective that will make you think that, number one, Baker Mayfield wasn't ready to play, and, number two, that Tyrod Taylor gave the Browns a better chance to win at this very moment. Because the only reason you have a veteran quarterback start over a rookie is you may want to get a couple more victories. In a rebuilding year, you may want to come out and perhaps win a couple games that you would normally lose when a rookie quarterback is going through growing pains. That's the only reason you start a veteran. Does Tyrod Taylor give the Browns a better chance to win than Baker Mayfield? Hopefully three weeks have determined the obvious, what we've seen. Baker Mayfield should be starting the quarterback for the Browns going forward. There should be no doubt about it. And honestly, if Hugh Jackson decides to go with Taylor, Browns lose a couple of games. And take this momentum that they have over a good start. I know you talk about a tie, but in the Browns case, after going 1-31 over two seasons, a tie is just as good of a, as a win especially for a team that's not expected to go to the playoffs. So you got two of your first three games that the Browns haven't lost. You go back to Tyrod Taylor and you start to lose a couple more games and you're not competitive in a couple games. That's when you start to question a coach. That's start when you start to question the front office and their motivation to win right now. And I understand the Browns aren't a win now team. They're not looking to win the Super Bowl. They're not looking to be Super Bowl 53 champions. But I'll tell you this. They owe it to the players that are on that field. They owe it to their fans. Baker Mayfield came out there. He didn't certainly didn't look like he wasn't ready. He's ready to play. He's a better quarterback than Taylor right now with all respect meant to Mr. Taylor. You know, he is what he is. He's a guy who, in his own right, sat a little while behind Joe Flacco, got his chance in Buffalo, had some ups and downs, probably more downs than ups, and maybe... You know, at his age, at age 28, is probably not looking at himself as a as a guy that's going to be a backup quarterback for the rest of his pro football career. But Baker Mayfield certainly is one of the top 32. He's certainly one of the top 20 right now. And it, it would be a shock to me, and honestly an insult to the Cleveland Browns fan base and the players on a Cleveland Browns team, if Baker Mayfield wasn't that quarterback going forward. Next thing I wanted to get into is something baseball related. And I haven't been on Major League Baseball umpires in a while. And you heard me last week talk a little bit about Tom Hallion and Tom Hallion's reputation for having a little bit of a short fuse. At some times, making a game seem like it's a little bit more about him than it is the players and the people that are competing on the field. And there's other umpires like that. Angel Hernandez comes to mind. You know, some of the other umpires are just bad, like Elias Diaz. I don't think he makes the game about himself. He's just not good at his job. And there's another series of umpires that end up getting a little short. Uh, you know, you think of a guy like Will Little. 
he's known to have a little bit of a short fuse. I'm going to add another umpire to this list. And you think about it. You think about certain levels of, um, I don't know, negativity that you could put on somebody. Is he a bad umpire? Well, maybe he hasn't gotten to that stage yet where he's out to be a horrible umpire or an umpire that's out more about himself than the other players, a short fuse, going to throw people out left and right for no reason. When you've been given a warning, and this is coming from the past ball show, when you've been given a warning, you're on notice. And it doesn't mean that you're in the category of a Bob Davidson or a Joe West or an Angel Hernandez. But I will tell you this. And once again, we're going to talk about the Mets game with the Washington Nationals yesterday. And that featured home plate umpire DJ Rayburn. First of all, making one of the worst calls that I hate to see in baseball. And I'm not saying his call by itself was the worst. But the call that's made when an umpire is very quick to determine whether a batter swung at a ball or not. I really believe that Major League Baseball should get more involved and make it a rule that if either team contests to a swing over whether a, pl- a batter swung or not, either the team that's in the field or the team that's at plate, they should appeal to the respective base umpire. So this is a call that's always bothered me when a home plate umpire thinks he's you know macho man and is going to make that determination that a player swung or didn't swing. Now, obviously, it was a call that he missed. Jeff McNeil was up for the Mets, went to bunt, pulled the bat back clearly, and the home plate umpire determines that he swung. Mickey Callaway, the Mets manager, didn't agree with it, and DJ Rayburn wasted no time ejecting him. Now, that would have been fine. And obviously, some stories you could hear to come out today, Mickey Callaway, the Mets manager, being more animated than probably any other time. Probably having his moment that Aaron Boone had when... He squatted behind home plate and was making like, you know, he was uh, the catcher and determined where the strike zone was. We kind of had his nuclear moment. Mickey Callaway kind of had his last night for the Mets. And I understand this is a team going nowhere, going against another team that's not going anywhere. But the focus is on the home plate umpire. I wouldn't have had any issue with that. Sometimes an umpire is quick. Sometimes they hear something that they don't want to hear. And when that happens, sometimes the cooler heads don't necessarily prevent. What bothers me after that, and I'm not the biggest Bryce Harper fan. I think he's a good player. I think he's uh, somebody that has been taken over by the spotlight and the hype that's surrounded around him. He had his one MVP season. He's not been able to duplicate that. He's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. There's going to be a lot of talk about Bryce Harper and where he ends up. Like I said, not the biggest Bryce Harper fan. But I don't think he did anything wrong yesterday. And it wasn't that Rayburn made a bad call in this particular spot. It was the fact that Bryce Harper's walking away. Can you just let the guy go back to the dugout? Bryce Harper wasn't yelling anything. He didn't get in his face. He didn't even get to the point to get to the dugout to yell anything back. If he did any one of those things, I wouldn't have had an issue with Bryce Harper being thrown out of the game. But as Keith Hernandez says, rabbit ears, you know, he's very, 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 very quick hook. And I don't think that was a good job, a good example for umpiring by DJ Rayburn. Now, I've been talking for years about, you know, umpires being held accountable. 
having their names being thrown out there when they're not doing their job correctly. If a player doesn't do his job, if a coach doesn't do his job, if a manager of Major League Baseball doesn't do their job, if you go to other sports and somebody else is not doing their job, their names go to the forefront. Their names are at the beginning of television and radio programs. Their names are in the newspapers. Their names are online. It seems like when it comes to officials in professional sports, particularly Major League Baseball umpires, it doesn't seem like there's that same type of accountability. So I'm throwing DJ Rayburn's name out there. He had a bad game yesterday. You know, the quick hook throwing out Mickey Callaway when he obviously missed the call. Can't even ask for the third base umpire's consent. If he, you know, he believed that much in his call, he should have pointed over and said, just affirm to me what I believe. And then throwing out Bryce Harper for absolutely no reason. Bryce Harper was walking back to the dugout. DJ Rayburn, who in the past has not stood out to me as far as being an umpire that throws people out consistently, an umpire that makes the game more about him. He had a bad game yesterday. So because of that, he is officially warned. He's been added to my list. He is not amongst one of the worst umpires in baseball. He is not Tom Hallian. He is not Bob Davidson, Joe West, Angel Hernandez. I know Bob Davidson is no longer umpire, thank God. But think about when it comes to short fuse, throwing somebody out of the game for no reason, and he did it twice. And this isn't a biased opinion from either the Mets or the Nationals because he messed up when it came to both teams. Next thing I want to get into, Colin Kaepernick has his lawyer out there talking about the possibility. And I, I don't know if it's fodder. Remember last year, Mark Garagos, who was the lawyer for Colin Kaepernick, made a statement that Kaepernick's going to sign a deal with an NFL team within 10 days. It never happened. He's back out there with the media trying to throw out some reports and the possibility that Colin Kaepernick could be close to signing with an NFL team. I'm in favor of it. I hope somebody does sign Kaepernick and I'd like to see Kaepernick at least compete at some level when it comes to just seeing what type of talent he has left on the National Football League field. I know he's an extremely polarizing figure. Either people love Colin Kaepernick or people hate Colin Kaepernick, and it's fine. But I think from an athletic standpoint, he should have the ability to at least compete for a job on a team. Now, I know it's hard for him to sign a contract and all of a sudden put a helmet on, lace, lace it up, and get on the field and compete. But maybe he could try to learn the team's offense. And if he could be a third-string quarterback and a backup quarterback, and maybe if the right breaks come his way, he could get back out on the field. The issue that I've had with it is how much of a distraction is another team willing to pick up. But that's not what I wanted to talk about today. A lot of times, people that are in the celebrity status, that have their names known, are polarizing or not polarizing. But the bottom line is your average person knows who a person is once their name is thrown out there. They feel the need that if they get in a legal type of trouble, they need to hire a celebrity lawyer. Now, the celebrity lawyers are becoming bigger and bigger scumbags as we speak, not just because of their representation of celebrities, but what they are actually representing in what these celebrities are doing. Some people are becoming celebrities just because of infamy. Look at Scott Peterson. Scott Peterson was not known for anything. The only thing he was known for is killing his wife. 
And because his murder case became such a high-profile case, that's why people know who Scott Peterson is. Mark Garagos represented Scott Peterson. Chris Brown, who may be talented, he may have released some albums, but before any of that happened, was known for one thing, beating the crap out of Rihanna, being a domestic abuser. And you know who he was represented by? Mark Garagos. And I'm not going to tell Colin Kaepernick what to do. Obviously, you got lawyers that have a history of doing some good things. Garagos represented Michael Jackson. And Michael Jackson was found not guilty on abusing, you know, little kids. So the thought is that Colin Kaepernick, <coughs> excuse me, is looking to sue the National Football League and get some retribution, which he is definitely entitled. Because I do think there's collusion involved in the National Football League teams, and I think it could all go to an end if a team just decides to go out there and sign Kaepernick and just give him a shot. You don't have to give him your starting quarterback job, but give him a chance to acclimate himself to a team. And if the media attention gets a little bit too much, if it's more about Colin Kaepernick and his stand, um, his you know, you know, willingness to continue to kneel for the national anthem, which I don't care whether he does or doesn't, but if that distraction becomes more than what Colin Kaepernick is worth on the field, then maybe that team could cut ties with him. But the issue I have is this, these celebrity lawyers. And let's be serious. The celebrity in these particular lawyers, like a guy like Mark Garagos, only grows every time they represent a different celebrity or ever every time they decide to take a higher profile case. So I look at I look at this guy and every time he is mentioned as far as representing somebody else in the spotlight, I think he's a bigger scumbag. And this goes back to my points that I've made in regards to criminal defense attorneys. If you're gonna choose to have one job, and that's to allow criminals in a lot of cases to go free. You may have the ability to be in a situation where you bring out the reasons why somebody was wrongfully accused, was accused, and allow them to go free. But in most cases, these are people that have done stuff wrong. And I hope we get to a point where someday there's a chip installed in us and we can tell right off the bat, based off of how somebody reacts and how they are, whether they're lying to you or not, exactly what they did should be stored in their brains. And I hope from a technological standpoint, we can grow and get to this point. But criminal defense attorneys continue to add to their celebrity. They continue to add to their wallets. And what do they do for a living? They essentially get criminals off or they try to get criminals free. There should be some sort of law that says, hey, if you are, if your client is found guilty of this crime, you're going to have to face jail time as well for representing it. And you know what? I bet you some critics may not believe 100% in. Last thing we're going to do today, NFL picks. And like I said, glad to be with you. This is the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com as well as St. Aloysius Church and School. So we'll get the, the music playing. <laughs> As we get set for week three in the National Football League, the picks will be up on my website, JohnPielli.com, which, by the way, has been updated. So last week, we had a terrible week. We went one and four on the season. We're now four and six. 
we're certainly looking to redeem ourselves as we move into week number three, and we're going to pick five games and five games on Sunday as well, kind of staying with the same, you, you know, uh, um, I don't know, mentality over the last couple of weeks. If it doesn't work this week, let's be serious. I don't want to lose money just like anybody else that's betting doesn't want to lose money. Maybe we'll have to change the philosophy if we have another week that doesn't go our way. So I got a little more creative this week. I stayed away from some of the hunches that I had over weeks number one and two. And I picked some games that I really believe in this week. And we'll see how it ends up turning out. First game we're going to get into, Indianapolis is heading to Philadelphia. Now, I think the Colts could be good. Andrew Luck's playing this year. I think this could be an improved team, a team that may win a couple games this year that they wouldn't have won last year for the simple fact that Luck is under center. But the Philadelphia Eagles got two things going for them this week. And I think their loss to Tampa Bay last week is certainly something that they can hang their hats on and be motivated to want to. And, uh, has he sat out enough time? If I'm the Colts, am I going to you know, be aggressive and perhaps trying to scare him to get him to a point where, you know, he's worried about the Colts going for his legs and his knees and stuff like that? I get it. But I think this is almost like a second homecoming for the Philadelphia Eagles. Remember week number one, they were at home against Atlanta. They had, as Mike Tirico said, that championship moment when their banner was raised. Once again, championship moment is something that I've never heard before. But you know, we, we all know what was going on there. And the Eagles were able to you know, take that energy and beat a good team in the Atlanta Falcons. They're having another homecoming type of moment. A home game against Indianapolis, but they're welcoming their quarterback you know, back on the field. In Carson Wentz. And Philadelphia is giving six and a half points at home. I think they could cover that spread and more. So game number one, Philadelphia Eagles minus six and a half again at home against the Indianapolis Colts. Game number two, um, I was I was interested in this one. And there was another game that I was going to pick. And I decided at the last minute I wanted to jump on the Cincinnati-Carolina game. The Bengals are two and zero. I think the Panthers have shown a little bit of rust over the course of the first couple weeks of the season. There's been some ups, there's been some downs, but I, I think this is a good game for the Carolina Panthers playing this game at home. I think the Cincinnati Bengals are up for a letdown, and I think the spread is nice. Uh, the, the Panthers are giving three and a half, I'm sorry, three points. So to make it quick and easy, Panthers minus three at home against the Cincinnati Bengals. Game number three. I am not necessarily saying this is going to be an upset, but I think the Los Angeles Rams, a team that has a very high power offense, a team that has the ability to put a lot of points against the board, on the board, they're playing at home against a team that it seems like at least the odds makers in Las Vegas and the people that bet on pro football have all of a sudden forgot about the Los Angeles Chargers. And it stands out to me for this reason. There were people that were picking the Chargers to go to the Super Bowl. There were people that were picking the Los Angeles Chargers to win the AFC West. A lot of people had the Los Angeles Chargers in the postseason this year. Two weeks go by, and all of a sudden, everybody wants to give up on them. They're a seven-point underdog on the road 
in what could be considered a relative home game. I understand the Chargers have moved from San Diego, but I think you could see a matchup where there may be as many Chargers fans there as Rams fans. And I think the Chargers are due for a bounce back after a couple subpar weeks that I'm interested in taking. So game Los Angeles Chargers plus seven at the Los Angeles Rams. Game number four, you got the New England Patriots going up against their former defensive coordinator and Matt Patricia and the Detroit Lions. Now, if you watched the Detroit Lions play last week, it was a game that I picked against, and I picked against for a different reason than I'm going to pick against them this week. They showed some heart. They almost pulled it off. They almost came back against the San Francisco 49ers. And I will tell you this, the team showed some fight. The team showed some support for its coach, which I didn't see in week number one when they got beat up by the New York Jets. I can see the Lions coming into this you know, game at home. Matt Patricia maybe trying too hard to beat his old boss, Bill Belichick. And I like the line because I can see the Patriots winning this game by seven or more and not necessarily even having it be a blowout. And he can still come out on top. More than likely, I think it's going to be a two touchdown or more win for the New England Patriots. And the Pats are coming off a loss. I mean, how much more motivated do you have to be after coming off of a game that you were expecting to win? I know it was against a good team in Jacksonville, and I know you, you would to take on Matt Patricia and kind of take him to school, I believe. And it features the Pittsburgh Steelers against the Buccaneers have beaten the Saints. And you understand why there's some momentum building. I'm sure the gambling lines are going to be very difficult because – the Bucks have been playing very well, and I think a lot of people want to jump on that proverbial bandwagon. We'll see how it how it ends up working out. But the Buccaneers aren't going to go 16 and zero. And I think if you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, there's a lot of obviously controversy that exists, whether it's the Le'Veon Bell holdout, whether it's Antonio Brown's comments, whether it's criticism that Mike Tomlin may have lost that locker room. You could talk about the offensive linemen who have been taking shots. At Le'Veon Bell after he's not playing. You got week number three, no Bell, even close to the organization. He may not play at all this season. I get it. Steelers aren't a terrible football team. The Steelers aren't going to go winless this year. So two things that I have against each other. The Steelers are not going to go winless. And the Buccaneers are not going to be undefeated. And I think this is a good letdown game for Tampa Bay. Listen, Ryan Fitzpatrick has been phenomenal over the first couple weeks of the National Football League season. I get it. But I think the Steelers will have a good game plan. They'll be able to stop Tampa Bay. Sometimes when you have a couple games that go your way, a couple games where you bring out the best in your team, the, the best in every single individual player, and perhaps in some cases when you win games you don't expect to win, there comes a point where you may get a little too full of yourself. You may get a little too overconfident coming into a game where you got to be just as confident when it comes to every single one of your opponents. So I think the Buccaneers, from that perspective, it's going to be a letdown. The, the Steelers, they're due for a win. And the Steelers are favored by one and a half, so it's close enough. That's going to be my last pick this week. Steelers minus one and a half at Tampa Bay. Deftone Sleep asks, what do you think of the Vikings? Listen, I don't want to touch that game because of the line. The fact that the Vikes are favored by 16 and a half points, there's really no reason why you should think that the Vikings will lose this week. I think they're a very strong team. Um, 
the question is going to be with them, are they better with Kirk Cousins than they were with Case Keenum? Obviously, their defense is very strong. Uh, they have, uh, obviously, Dalvin Cook being back, you, you know, missing him last year. You got some good receivers there. Offensive line scares me a little bit, but I look at the Vikings. I think they're, they should be a playoff team this year. But if I'm picking them this week, if, I, if I'm playing one of those office football pools where I'm just simply picking a winner, yeah, sure, I'll take the Vikings over to Buffalo Bills. But if I'm going to gamble on it, if I'm going to put my money on this game, a 16.5-point line is a lot. And I understand why it's such a, a big line. I understand why the Vikings are favored by as much as they are. Buffalo doesn't know who they're running out there at quarterback. Is it Nathan Peterman? Is it going to be Josh Allen? And no matter who is out there, are they supported by a good team at all? The answer is no. So if you're looking at two different ends of the spectrum, you got the Vikings on one side who are expected to be a playoff team this year. You got the Bills on the other side who are probably one of the worst teams in the National Football League. So from that perspective, I don't think there's any reason the Vikings are going to lose this game. But I got to factor in the point spreads when I'm putting together these picks. I can't touch the Vikings and the Bills. I mean, if the Vikings win by 16 points, if it's 34 to 18 as a final, I still lose. Now, can the Vikings go out there and beat them 40 to nothing? Sure. But at some, you know, at some point, the Bills are going to put up some points. And let's be serious. When you're talking about National Football League teams, when they're competing, you know, they're not out there to you know, put the foot on the, on the gas when they're ahead. You see very few instances in the National Football League where teams run up the score. They do that in college. If you heard me earlier in the week, I was talking about that South Dakota game, South Dakota State game against Arkansas Pine Bluff where South Dakota State ended up winning 90-6. to And they obviously ran up the score, and it doesn't happen in the National Football League. And what you see a lot, you can see, hypothetically, the Minnesota Vikings getting out to a 31-0 lead, maybe get a couple field goals, and all of a sudden play in prevent defense where they just want the game to end. The Buffalo Bills throw up some stats at the end of the game, make it a little bit closer. Still not a game, but you don't win because of the points. So a quick recap of the games we picked this week. They'll be up on my website, johnpielli.com. Like I said, if you haven't yet, feel free to download the Passball Show on Google Play or iTunes. I do have a link on my website if you want to check it out, johnpielli.com. Once again, the picks will be up there as well. You got Philadelphia minus 6.5 at home against Indianapolis. Carolina minus 3 at home against Cincinnati. The Los Angeles Chargers plus 7 in Los Angeles against the Rams. You got New England minus 6.5 in Detroit. And Pittsburgh minus 1.5 at Tampa Bay. A little bit of a recap of what we talked about today. Could the Browns be 3-0 and zero if Baker Mayfield was the starting quarterback the entire time? Did they make a mistake? Are they willing to make yet another mistake by not starting Baker Mayfield in week number four? An umpire warning, I gave it out there to DJ Rayburn. Terrible game last night, short fuse, made a bad call, ran the Mets manager really quick, and ends up throwing out Bryce Harper for no reason. So he didn't help either team. Terrible job. He gets a warning. I'm not willing to classify him as a terrible umpire yet, but his name's going to be on the list of umpires I'm going to be watching over the near future. Mark Garagos representing Colin Kaepernick, the same guy that's represented Scott Peterson, who was a murderer, Chris Brown, who was a domestic abuser. 
he got Michael Jackson off of the charges that he had to deal with when it came to, you know, indecent acts, when it came to minors. Is this the guy you want representing you? And by the way, when are criminal defense attorneys going to be held accountable for essentially trying to get criminals off? How many cases do you win? How many cases do you lose? This is a sports show. You should keep stats. If you have a history of having cases go against you, especially high-profile cases, it should be damning to your credibility. And you look at a guy like Mark Garagos, who continues to represent high-profile clients, continues to have his name in a spotlight, and continues to get millions and millions of dollars for his services. NFL picks, check them out on the website, johnpielli.com. I hope everybody has a nice weekend. We'll be back with you Monday. This is the Past Ball Show brought to you by johnpielli.com, as well as St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey. God bless you, and as always, I'll see you on the other side.